Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. If you're like me and you hate the grind of finding new bands but love when you find them, I have a recommendation for you. After Dark is sponsoring today's show, and they are fantastic. So if you're anything like me, go check them out. Check out Colors is probably the first one I'll recommend. After that, my second favorite's probably Break Away. Highly recommend them. Spotify After Dark. I highly recommend them. Spotify After Dark. Hello and welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Adde Trepka from the Are You Happy documentary, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. How are you today? I'm very good, Kara. How are you? I am very, very good. So I found your project, um, your documentary project on the internet, as one does, and I am just in love with the idea. So can you describe a little bit about what the Are You Happy uh, documentary is? Yes, yeah, so I'm making a documentary where I travel around the world and ask random strangers one question. Are you happy? And that single question has taken me on pretty crazy adventures. Um, it's, it's sort of made a big splash on social media, which is how most people know about it. Um, but just clips from the actual documentary have, you know, are averaging like 10 million monthly views um, oh, so it's, wow. it's pretty exciting to have success before a documentary even comes out. Yeah, that's incredible. I didn't realize that you had 10 million monthly views. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, okay, so before we get into a little more about the thing, I'm just curious, what's the most surprising place that you've gotten to go and, and film? Like, I'm sure that you kind of had dreams, but they weren't as lofty as they ended up being. Yeah, so I went to India Um for this documentary and that was that was insane um i i thought india would be one thing mm-hmm. and then i think something completely different <laughs> that's amazing and i guess the uh the question that i would follow up with with that is do you speak multiple languages or are you generally asking english speaking people um i I do speak multiple languages. It's come in handy a couple times making the documentary, um, but mainly it's English. That's uh, that very people. that's very cool because I feel like that's kind of hard to do to travel around the world and always find someone who speaks English so you can ask. Um, so I guess the the next the big question on my mind and I imagine a lot of people's minds is okay. First, I'll ask this one because it's even bigger. Is when is the expected release? Uh, so I'm going to come out with, uh, sort of like behind the scenes making of project. That's going to be a little more personal, um, for the people who have been following us on social media to kind of see, like, it's more of like a personal story of mm-hmm. what are you happy means to me. And then the full documentary, uh, we're actually working to find the right partner to release it with. Okay. Uh, so if, if this is coming out in the fall, perhaps by that time, God willing, we have we will have found a partner and, and have a release date. Perfect. And if that's the case, I will absolutely put that in the show notes. No problem. Um, Wouldn't that be exciting? Like right now we're talking about like, oh, this cool documentary that I've been making. Uh, we don't have a partner yet. And then like sometime in the future when this is posted, 
we will have already found a partner. You, you, maybe you break in in the middle of it and be like, by the way, just update. <laughs> uh, you know, it's Netflix. It's coming out 2020. Oh, 2020. that would be incredible. <laughs> that would be incredible. Oh, my goodness. I love yeah. that. Oh, so the next question on my mind and I imagine other people's is, are you surprised by how it's gone? Um, that's a good question. Hmm. I always believed in it. Um, I always knew that it would, it would be interesting to some people, but, um, I, I, I am surprised by the success on social media. Yeah. And what about some of the answers people have given you? Are you surprised by the overall tone of, of whether or not people are happy or how they define happiness? hundred percent. I thought, I thought a lot more people would be unhappy. Um, but almost everyone I've spoken to, even if they have had an unhappy life, even if they were having a bad day, um, they will, you know, the question kind of forces them to count their blessings. Um, and you know, a lot of people would be like, no, I'm not happy. Well, I mean, now that you ask me, yeah, I guess I'm not that bad. You know? <laughs> no, that that's so interesting. Cause I, that's a question I think a lot of people wonder is, is the world happy? Right. And have you found that some of the conversations that people have had with you about their own happiness has contributed to yours? Yeah. Um, just, you know, after interviewing hundreds of people, um, you start to see trends in the sources of people's happiness mm -hmm. and it kind of, you know, really helped me prioritize what things should affect me emotionally and what things shouldn't. That totally makes sense. And I've had a similar experience because I also interview people about happiness okay. and, uh, <clears throat> Like, um, like, I mean, this, this show is mostly that. And so I've also like found surprising trends. And so I know that I don't want you to have to give away too, too much, but what would you say was the most, the, what is the most in your, from your experience here, the most understated contributor to happiness? Um, I think there's a lot of pressure put on people to do what they love for a living. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people's happiness comes from having a job, not necessarily having their dream job or a job that they're passionate about. A lot of people, you know, even if it's a job they don't like, they derive happiness from the fact that they're providing for their family and um, they're, they're serving a purpose larger than themselves or you know they have a task to complete that gives meaning to people and mm -hmm. it helps them find happiness that oh that totally makes sense and resonates with my own experience so just quickly I'll just kind of give you the rundown is I actually so I have chronic illness and I had to leave the workforce in 2014 and that was so so hard and I must say to my partner like I love what I do love it but I, it doesn't pay super well. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and I've said to my partner so many times that in spite of how much I love it, I can't help but wish that I could just be healthy enough to work a normal job. Like there is a lot of fulfillment there. There's a lot of direction and stuff like that, that really kind of helps you to feel grounded and stable, which helps you to focus on the other things that make you happy. So that totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, sometimes 
This isn't from me. I forget where I heard it, but they say、um, your relationship with your passion should be like a love affair, where you have to sneak away. You try to fill it in on nights and weekends,、um, because if you make your passion your nine, your you know your full time job,、um, sometimes it runs people to the ground.、Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know when to stop. They get burnt out. They lose their love of it. Especially once you start getting paid for it, it's like now you're a slave to it because you got your car note、uh, to to pay and you got your you know school and all that, and it's coming from your art. So it's like,、uh, what if you don't feel like making art? So there's a lot of virtue in just having a job, any job, that satisfies you financially, and then nights and weekends and you know little breaks of time you find you can kind of escape to your passion. I think that relationship is really healthy. Yeah, and that absolutely makes sense. Where your passion is there because you make time for it and because you want it. And yeah, like I've I've experienced some of that burnout that you're talking about and stuff like that. But I'm working through that, you know. Like that's that's how life is. Is you gotta take steps back, examine what's actually happening, and then figure out how to move forward.、Um, and okay, so this question I'm dying to know: How did this get started? Like like did you just wake up one day and decide? Or oh, tell me, tell me, please. <laughs> I thought it would be really cool if there was a movie that was.、Um, Well, like the the current pro because I've made movies before, and the the process of making a film is like three. It goes in three stages. It's、okay. pre production, the production, the post production, or、yeah. like you, you know you write it, you shoot it, you edit it. And、uh, I thought it'd be really cool if there was a movie that was written while it was being made, and it was cast in real time. Like the actors were found. As the movie was being watched, and it was written as it was being watched, everything happened organically.、Um, I didn't really know what that meant or how it would execute, but I just, as an idea, I was like, "What if a story was guided completely in real time?" So, you know, like back then, when I still was like figuring it out, I was like, "Okay, well, what if I walk up to somebody and just start following them? Just be like, 'Hey, could I follow you?'" And then the movie. <laughs> The movie goes to just that person's life, and whether you know they go to the store, they go with, meet their kids, and go home. So, and they they are the actor; they are cast in real time. And as they meet people along in their day to day life, those are the actors. They they've auditioned, they've been hired, they're acting, they're doing the job. The words coming out of their mouth is the script. Um, so that was the basis of it, and then I saw a documentary. That was made in the '60s, where this woman、uh, was surveying people on the street, and she she would ask them, "Are you happy? Are you happy?"、Um, and I liked the question. I liked the reactions it got.、So、it's like, oh, it'd be really cool if like this idea I have of a movie being made in real time was like you kind of unlocked it with this question. And、uh, yeah, I've been I've asked people if they're happy, and then I ended up in their homes. I ended up going on crazy adventures. Uh, so, are you happy? Kind of unlocks that. And so, does the does the documentary sort of follow what happens when you end up on their home or go on the adventures? Exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, that's so cool. That's such a that's such a cool concept.、Um, have you have you ever had someone you know say no or refuse to participate? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so. So my question, I guess, what I would ask with that, just because you know, it's it's always helpful for people to know how people deal with um, rejection is a really hard thing for a lot of people. I'm generally okay with it, just because you know, when you work in this kind of work, you end up getting rejected a lot, which is cool. I'm fine with it. So, um, so what what's your process when someone says no? Like, obviously, I'm sure that you just you know kind of walk away. But mentally, how do you deal with that? Do you just does it just kind of go off your skin like a duck or? Um. Yeah, like you mentioned, being in this line of work, you have to deal with a lot of rejection. Um, You just kind of, you know, my focus is make a compelling documentary. So I just have to keep that focus and any rejection that goes along with it is out of line with that focus because it's the opposite of what I'm doing. So I just ignore it, just keep moving forward. And uh, yeah. That is such a great way to put that too, because it's like, all right, well, if they don't want to participate, then they're obviously not the right people for the project. And, and that's then that's interestingly pretty much how I do this too. So when I ask someone to be on the show, they're like, no. And I'm like, all right, well, then he probably would have made a terrible guest for a show you didn't want to be on. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So um, can you can you tell us just a little bit about uh you keep saying that you go on adventures. Can you give us an example of an adventure that, you know, brought you joy and highlighted why, why or how someone else was happy? Yeah, I was um, walking down the street in Utah, yeah. uh, a town called Springdale, Utah. And where are you from, by the way? Uh, Vancouver Island. Uh, so BC, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, cool. So yeah, I, I, just, uh, I was rolling my camera as I was walking down the street. I walked up to this guy and uh, he said, you know, he, he's like, oh, you're making a documentary. Uh, you want to know if I'm happy? Well, why don't you ask that girl at the bus stop? And he kind of points at this girl waiting for the bus. And of course, following this philosophy of I have to go where <laughs> guide me, I went to the bus stop and I said, that guy over there asked, asked me to ask you, are you happy? So are you happy? And she's like, okay, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, well, you know, what's it to you? And <laughs> the guy next to her, just a just a random person was like, hey, if you want to go talk to happy people, go to Sand Hollow, Utah. And it was as if he knew what the philosophy of this documentary was, because <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Sand Hollow. <laughs> so I got in my car and I went to Sand Hollow and it was basically a desert. I don't know what I was doing or what I was looking for. I just was waiting for this to sort of happen to me. And I got there and I just, I just locked eyes with this guy in his ATV. He was like off, he was like riding around in the sand dunes on his ATV, <laughs> like a man in his seventies. Uh, <laughs> so I, I asked him, I said, Hey, I'm doing a documentary. I was told to come here to talk to people. Um, He says, if you, you know, if I'd love to talk to you about this, um, you know, if you'd like to come to my home, we could talk about it more in depth. And so here I am, like, uh, I'm talking to a stranger um, and I'm being put to the test by the universe. Like, how bad do you want to make this little uh, (laughs) impromptu documentary where you where you let it guide you? 
you know, do you want to do it so bad that you're going to go to a stranger's house? And so I, I kind of like had a moment with myself and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. And uh, I shared my location with a couple of my family members. Fair. <laughs> and, uh, and I started driving to this person's house. And it ended up being uh, one of the more amazing conversations I've ever had in my life. Um, what a guy. He ended up taking me out for pizza. We had pizza oh. together. Um, it, was, it was incredible. Uh, and it kind of set the tone for what the documentary would be. We ended up riding in the sand dunes together as well on his ATV. That was awesome. <laughs> and that was also our first viral video. That video we posted a week after we started posting on social media. And uh, it got about 10 million views. And it kind of set us off on a trajectory to, to, make, to really take social media seriously. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And, and I, love, I love the idea of like, it reminds me of, you ever seen the movie Yes Man? Uh, yes, with Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah, so like a similar concept where you're like, if the universe presents it, we're doing it. And I just think that's got to be scary and freeing all at once. Um, so I guess my question would be, and and don't worry, I um, I have a lot of questions, but we don't have to answer, ask them all. Uh, so when you're, so since you've started this project and it's ongoing, right, right now? So right. since you started this project, have you found yourself doing that and being more open to things outside of the project? Like a friend suggests something where you might normally be like, ah, nah. And now you're like, you know what? Yeah. Does that happen now? Yeah. Hmm. You know, you'd think so, but <laughs> as like, um, it, it's taken an interesting, it's put me on an interesting path in life. Because what people see is this dude just traveling around the world and, uh, you know, having experiences of strangers. But the reality of it is like, that's probably like um, three to four hours of my day. And then the rest of my day is spent, um, you know, keeping it alive, keeping the platform alive, talking to people, um, you know, like um, basically managing it. Mm-hmm. And that it's uh, it's made me grow up a lot, Kara. Uh, when I first started this, I was I was just um, just a kid with little direction, and I still am a kid. But I'm just saying I was a kid with little direction, <laughs> really unsure of like what it was I was doing. I, there's so many videos of me being like, "What am I doing? What am I doing? What is this?" <laughs> uh, and now it's you know it's it's clear the responsibility i have um you know it's there's over uh it's about three million people who watch us on a you know on a regular basis and they are impacted by the project in a serious way so you know there's a lot of fun aspects of it but now i kind of have to grow up in a way and um and look at it more as like, okay, how can I actually make this sustainable? How could I keep this alive? How could I bring a team together? How could I invite more people to do this with me? Um, and how, how can I, you know, the project is already bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. So how can I make it so the project survives without me in the equation? Mm-hmm. So it's not reliant on me missing my alarm clock or um, not feeling like it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and and so it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because I was I was 
I was leading to, you know, you, you mentioned a few times we and having a team and stuff like that. How did that sort of come together? Like, did you already have a team when you started or did you start on your own and build a team or? Yeah, I started on my own. Um, I had a team before I started. Um, and uh, they, you know, when I say I had a team, I secured funding for the project. You know how I mentioned gotcha. right now for a partner? Yeah. Well, I had a partner and um, in the last minute they pulled their funding. Uh, they, they, after internal discussions, said they no longer believed in the idea. They didn't believe it would be successful. And so I it was back to just me. And I could have continued looking for a partner um, or I could have just said, you know what, they're right. This isn't a good idea and just just put it to bed. Um, but I decided I'm just going to do it myself. And so I did it myself. It became popular online. And then the growth of the team happened very organically. It was quarantine time. I was, you know, I was at home. My brother was home from school um, because of quarantine. And so he's like, I'll help you do this. So it was me and my bro, and that was a lot of fun. It brought us really close, or made us really close. And um, and then the larger it got, the more people reached out and were like, how can I be a part of this? I want to help. Um, and those people didn't want anything in return. They just wanted to be a part of it. And now we're getting to a point where we can, you know, we can actually pay for a team. We're not there yet, but we're, you know, it's definitely on the horizon. So it's a very exciting time. That is exciting. And you said that you said that you've grown up a lot and it sounds like that's that's very true. Um, and it sounds like that's through sort of discipline, finding ways, creative ways to exercise self-discipline without like, and that's always the thing that I find is hardest for me. And I wonder if it's similar for you is finding discipline without it feeling like punishment. You know what I mean? Like you have a really, really hard time one day and finding a way to give yourself grace and give yourself that discipline without shaming yourself, stuff like that. And it sounds, it sounds from the way you're talking that it's, it's more like that than the sort of rigid bootstraps type discipline that a lot of people talk about. Would you agree? Yeah. 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 You could say that. Yeah. Uh, I I'm lucky in that this has always been a passion. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Everything okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. We're, uh, we're we're at an Airbnb now, and um, yeah, I don't know some, but everything's okay. Everybody's all right. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm lucky in that filmmaking, editing, storytelling is a huge passion of mine. Always has been. So rarely does it feel like work. Um, I don't take my own advice that I mentioned earlier, and that your work shouldn't always be your. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm just lucky in that I, you know, I, I like to work hard. I don't easily get burnt out. I'm, I'm very self-motivated. Um, and I love it. It, it makes me happy. So I think, I think, I'm, I think it's okay. That's fantastic. It sounds like, oh, it sounds like this is so much fun. I'm, I'm so excited to, like, I've been, like I said, I've watched some of the videos. I had no idea it was that viral. I'm the worst with social media <laughs> I like never pay attention to numbers and stuff I just which is really not a great thing for the for the career path I've taken but that's neither here nor there no, it's not. actually that's that's exactly right don't care about the numbers don't care about the right just care about what you're doing and how it is it communicating the way you want it to mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's it I mean 
Yeah. No, yeah. It. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing is that like the numbers are confusing and I don't really understand them well, but like I've gotten reviews where people have said it's changed their lives. And, mm. you know, like I've, I've had people tell me that they stopped doing like self-destructive, like, like self-harm and stuff like that. So to me, it's like, that's going to be more important than the numbers at any point, but it just makes it very hard to like, you know, sell. Um, because, because nobody cares in the business, like the higher up people don't care about that. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. I want to hear more about, <laughs> about, uh, so if, if there's one, you know, if there's one piece of advice that you would give someone who maybe doesn't know what happiness looks like, or doesn't even know where to start, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, I would say, what do you do in your life that whenever you do it, time disappears? Time goes by in an instant. You look up and four hours have passed and it feels like one hour. Um, whatever that is, you are either really good at it, so you just complete tasks quickly, or you're really passionate about it. So you get so focused and into it that you don't even focus on time. Um, so if you're just really good at it, you know, get a job in it um, or, or create a business around it. Um, you know, the, the more you do that, the more you're in this flow state, it's called, the happier you will be, um, I believe. And then the, um, if you know, if it's your passion, then pursue it. Don't let anybody stop you. Uh, if you're a painter, then keep painting. Um, yeah, yeah. Try to try to find your flow or whatever that flow state is for you and try to maximize, maximize it. That, uh, that's great advice. And you're not the first person, like I said, there's, there's also themes here that kind of just keep coming up, uh, organically. And that's not the first time we've heard about flow on the show. And it, it does make such a difference. And, and I think one of the cool things about flow in particular is that like, and, and correct me if you dis or not correct me, but like, let me know if you disagree. Um, but one of the things about flow in particular, that's really cool is that it, it's not really the same type of happiness that people are, are, are talking about and looking for. It's not similar to joy. And it's a kind of happiness that from what I've seen, pretty much all different kinds of humans with different kinds of brains are able to experience. Even people who have emotional disorders and, you know, um, like, a, like antisocial personality disorder and stuff like that are still able to experience flow, which like I said, indicates to me that it's a very, very important human feeling. Of course. Um, so, so that's cool. Cause like I said, joy is something I know a lot of people who just never really experience joy. You know, their, their brain isn't functioning as well as they'd like it to. And, and it's just not something that they get to have. So, so one, one of the reasons that I, I really like flow as a, as a concept. Um, so before we, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say like, I think a lot of, sadness uh, or negative thinking comes from uh, not having like a focus or being too lost in thought, having too much free time. They say, what is that expression? Um, free time is the... Uh, idle hands are the devil's playground? Yes, exactly. <laughs> idle hands are the devil's playground. So, you know, isn't it true that sometimes when we're, you know, if we're in a rut and we happen to do something to break the routine, we, we visit a friend, 
we go watch a movie, we take a run. Um, that's like, ah, you know, it was nice to see Bob. You know, I, I kind of like, kind of just got lost and stopped thinking about that, that bad thing that happened to me recently. That like, if you fill your day with those things that keep you active, keep you busy, it's not, it's not, um, it's not like um, shoving it away. It's not, um, it's not suppressing it. That's what I'm looking for. A lot mm-hmm. of like therapy industry will be like, don't suppress, you know, let it out. You know, of course there's value. Of course there's value in that, but there's also value in not giving things the focus that it doesn't deserve. Yes. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Um, like that's one of the things that makes it complicated is that you don't want to shove it down and you don't want to just be completely distracted. But at the same time, just because giving something <clears throat> enough attention to acknowledge it is valuable doesn't mean that ruminating on it for days and days is. And I mean, ugh, I used to be real bad for rumination and, and yeah, like finding productive places to put that energy is is really helpful and and like i mean just acknowledging that something's going on is usually enough is like yeah. oh i'm feeling really crappy anyways and then move on <laughs> and by the way you know when you feel crappy that's the worst time to deal with your you know the the bad things that are happening if you're dealing with anxiety if you're dealing with um personality disorder depression the worst time to deal with it is when you're having a panic attack or when you're having a depressive episode. So what what I found has helped me significantly is speaking lovingly to myself. You know, if I have an attack saying, um, you know, don't judge these feelings. Don't be mad at yourself for feeling this way. I've, I've started to tell myself, um, okay, I hear you. But we're not going to deal with this now. We're going to deal with this when another time, um, when when we're a little more calm. And what happens when I get when I get to it? When I get to that thing and say, like, "Okay, let's deal with this thing now." It's not. It's never as bad as I thought it was. You know, it's always like, "Okay, actually, it's not as bad. I, I don't even have to." The good thing I didn't get into this when I was when I was feeling that way. But I feel much better now, and I feel like I don't even have to deal with this. That's yeah. And, and I mean, that's also true in a, like a physical sense too, for some people who work really well with metaphors um, in a physical sense too, is if you need to, let's say, do some physical task, you need to move some pile of wood from one place to another and you wake up feeling crappy, doing that task while you're feeling crappy is going to take you like 12 hours. It's going to be this huge, big job. Whereas if you just rest for, you know, half the day, then, then it's going to take you, you know, three hours. This is, I'm making up numbers, obviously. Um, I don't move a lot of piles of wood, but I feel like it's a good example. And, and that's, that's, yeah, that's so true. And I use that trick too, where I'm like, you know what, I'll deal with this later. And then usually by later, I don't even care enough to deal with it. Usually it's some mountainous molehill that I've created out of nothing because I was already feeling crappy. Yeah. Um, before this is an important topic that we're not going to talk about now. We're going to talk about it later. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is is you acknowledge it and let yourself feel the feelings, but like, okay, but this isn't this isn't my right now problem. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to our super fun game, I always call it super fun. <laughs> what uh, could you please let people know um, where they can find the Are You Happy documentary? Where they can get more deets and all of that stuff. It'll all be in the show notes as well. But I like to. Yeah, so whatever social media platform you're on, just type in Are You Happy? and it will show up. Um, otherwise, you can go to happypeople.me, our website, where you can see all things Are You Happy? Uh, the trailer for the documentary, um, other things we're kind of involved in. So, yeah, easy. That's very exciting. And I hope that you guys do go check it out because it is the coolest project and absolutely worth your time to check out. Also, I mean, you know, if you want to shoot an email to Netflix and demand that they partner with them, I don't think that would hurt. Uh, <laughs> oh, my phone just made a noise. Oops. Uh, <laughs> okay. So are you ready to guess some 1920s slang? I am. I am ready. All right. All right. So what is baloney? Uh, baloney is something that's not true. Yes. Nonsense. That's okay. just a big pile of baloney. Um, <laughs> what is a flat tire? Flat tire. A flat tire is like somebody who's a drag. Yeah, he's, a, he's a flat tire. Wow. You're really good at that. Yes. This, that is exactly what that is. And I would never have gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What does hi hat mean? It's a verb. Oh, when you hi hat somebody, um, hi hat. Oh yeah. Yeah, Johnny the other day he hi hatted me, and I I never trust him again. Hi hat. Oh, hi hat is when you uh, when you condescend to somebody. It's when yeah, when you snub someone, yeah. when you're too good for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. What is a, <laughs> a lounge lizard? A lounge lizard. You know, you know, Joey. Joey, he'll never get anywhere in life. He's a lounge. He's a lounge lizard. <laughs> it's it's close, but it's it's a ladies' man. So it's more like that. Joey, he's going places. He's a real lounge lizard. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do two more. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Oh, what does scram mean? Scram, get lost. <laughs> yes, so get good. Lost. <laughs> I think I'm going to start saying that again. Um, all right. And last and maybe least is, oh, what is a speakeasy? A speakeasy is uh, an underground bar serving alcohol. Yes. A prohibition bar. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before I say goodbye? Um, yeah, this is incredible. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming on. This was so great. And if anybody out there is wanting to support, you can always like, share, follow, or whatever other things there are to do. And uh, so to my audience, or to you, Ate, right? Ate? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. And to my audience, I love you. Bye.